Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Hello, hello, notable women. Today's episode is with Shelly Robinson. Shelly and I met when she was looking to join the mastermind group that I am in, and all of the members had to do calls with the new perspectives. And so I had to do a call with Shelly, and I have to say it was love from the very beginning. It was like I knew her my whole life. She is so much fun. She is so much like me, but a healthier version. So I really hope that you appreciate these insights that she's going to give us in this coming episode. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun, even though she's telling us there's things that maybe we shouldn't be doing. But when you do the things, you're actually going to feel better, as crazy as it might seem. And I know that I really do when I finally do take her advice. So I hope you enjoy this episode with one of my favorite people in the world, Shelly Robinson. Welcome to the Notable Woman Podcast. I am so excited to introduce Shelly Robinson. Shelly is a health coach specializing in mothers who are working in their own businesses, affectionately known as mompreneurs. She worked as a marketing consultant for a decade before attending the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City, where she studied under, among others, legendary Dr. Deepak Chopra of Oprah Winfrey fame. Please join me in welcoming Shelly. Hi, lady. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Chris. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. Would you love to add anything to your introduction? I would not love to add anything. That was perfect, and you made me feel quite fancy. Thank you. Oh, you are fancy. We're so lucky to have you here. Now, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the fact that you were in marketing for a decade, and now you coach healthy hustling mamas. How did that transition happen? Yes, that is quite an interesting turn of events. I never had any intention of becoming a health coach, but it's just interesting how life throws you some unexpected events. And I find that with most most health coaches, there's usually a struggle that started their interest in becoming a health coach, and it was no different with me. I had a little baby when um, about five years ago. And when he was about 18 months, my husband and I wanted to try again for a second one. And because we got pregnant with him and about five minutes after we got married, I kind of expected that we would you know, have an easy time getting pregnant again, except that that did not happen. We went through several years of infertility. And so it was one of those things in my life that I just really wanted to better understand what was going on with my body and how I could, you know, take control of the situation that I was in to help boost my chances for becoming pregnant again. And one thing led to another. And I decided that quitting my job as a marketing consultant and going back to school to become a health coach would be a great first step. And it was something that took a lot of thinking about and soul searching to do. And I made the decision and I've never looked back. I got my degree and then my interest for who I would support evolved over time. At first, when I graduated, I wanted to help everyone. And, you know, that's not possible. So as I became clear on the the people I wanted to support in my practice, it was just super obvious to me that moms were the people I loved to support the most. And then I just found this really amazing group of women, which are moms who are 
hustling with businesses on the side, all the notable women out there doing that. And they just have such a unique set of challenges. And I'm living it every day as a mom myself. And so I wanted to be able to help them make sure they understood they could have their health and their business. It's amazing you say that. I know so many women that have side hustles of some kind, you know, whether they're doing some copywriting, whether they're uh, selling Dove chocolate discoveries or doing some Lula Row consulting, buttery leggings. Ah, <laughs> so many. So it's true. So many women do have a side hustle. So many mamas trying to get some extra money so that they can have more for their families. So I think it's great that you serve that clientele. Question for you. Did you leave your family in Ohio and then you came to New York City? No, I actually did not have to leave Ohio. IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, has an awesome online program. So people from all over the world are able to take the class from the comforter of their own home and their yoga pants, which is exactly what I did. And it was a wonderful way to consume the content. And they have it set up in a way that it's still incredibly interactive and you get the education that you would otherwise get being in New York City. So it was still a really good experience. That is awesome. I'm a big proponent of online education. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. Now, you yourself are a healthy hustling mama. What are some of the bad habits that you personally have that you also see in your clients? That is a good question. I would say that lack of sleep is probably the top of the list for myself and for so many other moms hustling on the side. And there's two reasons for that. I mean, one is kids. Obviously, we don't always have control over how much sleep we get when we have babies waking up at night. But the interesting thing is what's super prevalent among mompreneurs is that we're burning the candle at both ends because we're so passionate about what we do. And so it's incredibly hard to cut that passion off at 10 p.m. at night when we know we should go to bed. So it's just really helping people shift their perspective about how important sleep is, not only for their health, but for their business. But I get it because I struggle with that sometimes too, staying up too late, being on technology too much. So it's just one of those things that you can work at, but give yourself some grace on the nights that you really want to meet a deadline or deliver for a client. I'm a night owl by by person you know that's mm -hmm. what I've always been but with a tiny human you really can't be a night owl right and and I think that you you very quickly have to jump to that other side because the baby is awake Right. <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> take care of that baby. So when I get really into something that I'm working on, I want to work on it at night and keep and stay up and stay up and stay up. But then, you know, if I do stay up till 1am, 530, it comes and it's real sad. So yeah, yeah. And you know, I think what's helpful is, is helping moms understand the connection between the sleep and then their appetite the next day. And Sometimes we don't realize what that connection is. And I'll share a little nutrition trivia with your listeners because I think it's really helpful and it kind of inspires you to maybe go to bed a little bit earlier. But when we stay up too late and we don't get the sleep we need, there is this tricky little hormone called ghrelin and it actually increases our appetite. Like it makes it go through the roof. So if you've ever stayed up too late or just had a really rough night with your kids, you might recognize the next day that you are starving and you were like ready to clean the kitchen out. And so there's a reason for that. And so sometimes moms think it's their fault or there's something wrong with their appetite. And really it's just their body producing some extra ghrelin and it makes you really, really hungry and it makes you kind of want to eat the house. So that is a little tip there about why sleep is important. So it's all connected. Well, 
I will be in bed at 10 o'clock. Thank you, <laughs> ma'am. Because gosh knows I do not need any more, uh, you know, crazy kitchen binges. <laughs> it's funny. My husband will, you know, he'll take the food out to the dining room and I'll just be in the kitchen like, boom, 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 boom. Like, how much can I eat before he realizes that I'm right. eating in the kitchen? You know, I'm having like a whole separate meal before I bring my food <laughs> out to the dining room. Uh it's hard. It's for real. It's You are not alone, my friend. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, now that we have you, this wonderful, wonderful health coach, my one of my big questions for you is, how much coffee is too much coffee? Is there too much? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I hope not. <laughs> I love this question. This is, this is the perfect mom question, honestly. Well, what I love about this question is there is not a black and white answer. Clearly, 10 cups a day is probably too much coffee. So you could quote me on that. But what I like to tell people, and I do get this question sometimes, is everyone's different. And that's my philosophy for everything related to your health is that everyone has a different threshold, you know, that they can take a certain amount of caffeine or a certain amount of dairy or whatever it might be. And so the answer is really up to the mom herself to just kind of have a couple of cups and notice her sleep that night or notice her jitters. And you know what? There are some people who can't have any coffee. Maybe they're naturally just more anxious and coffee exacerbates that. And there's, I have friends who can drink a cup at four or five o'clock in the afternoon and it doesn't even phase them. So I think one to two cups would probably be the general recommendation, but you know, some, for some people that's too much. And going above and beyond that is going to start messing with this really important little gland called your adrenal glands. And you need those to have proper hormone balance and just have general good balance throughout your body. So anything beyond two or three cups a day is going to start messing with that. And, and life could get a little tricky for you. So one to two cups, I think would be my health coach recommendation. And how many do you drink, Kristen? <laughs> I, well, if you said cups in a baking measuring sort of way I typically only have one mug of coffee a day okay uh, in the morning mm -hmm. and that's it however there are some rough days but I find that after that first cup no matter how good an idea I think it is to have another one it is always a bad idea <laughs> And even though I'm like, oh, you really need this, Kristen, you really need this, you're so tired. I always get, you know, not very far into it before I start getting, you know, I, I call it cracked out, but <laughs> right. um, <laughs> jittery is probably a better word for it, where it's just too much caffeine. Right. And, and it has the opposite effect. Instead of helping me laser focus, instead all of a sudden I'm hyper into anything that's going on. Someone walks in the office, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> What's this person talking about? You know, I become like dog and up about squirrels. You know, it just it doesn't. Exactly. It's just I want it to work and it doesn't. And so sad. I know. I know. Could I offer a, a little tip? Oh, please do. I'd love to offer a substitute. And I talk about this so much that people probably think I'm a spokesperson for this, but I'm not. So instead of coffee in the afternoon, if I need a little pick me up, if I had a rough night, I love tea. It's called matcha green tea. So it's green tea, but it's ground up into a powder and it's got crazy amounts of antioxidants. So that's good for you, obviously. And it's got half the amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee. So you're not getting as much caffeine, but then it's got this other really cool chemical in it called theobromine and it's super calming. 
so it's like this magic in a mug i think it's magic in a mug where you're getting the effects the energizing effects of the caffeine but then the calming effects of the other chemical and so you just kind of feel really balanced and really grounded and it boosts your metabolism so you've got that which is always a nice added bonus i would i would give that a try and see how your body reacts to that. It's delicious too. That sounds awesome. I'll definitely include a link in the show notes for anyone else who's looking for an alternative to afternoon coffee. Yeah. Sounds great. Now, what are you've, you've given us lots of options already, but what are some other simple ways that we can take control of our health? I always say starting with baby steps is really the key. I think people resist making changes to their health because it's overwhelming. They think, oh my gosh, I've got to go on this cleanse or a diet or I've got to start counting calories or points. And I always recommend the first thing you can do to take control of your health is just pick a low-hanging fruit. So pick one area in your health that you know for sure needs attention. So don't feel like you have to start with everything. So if it's sleep, start with sleep. If it's cleaner eating, start with that. If it's more movement exercise, start with that. But just start really small and pick one thing and then focus on that until you've completed it instead of bouncing around from one thing to the next and only finishing certain goals halfway. So I always say just start small, pick one really obvious area in your health that you want to work on and just stick with that and then move on when you're ready. And then those little baby steps are what ends up leading to really big transformation. Let's take sleep for an example. Sure. If someone knew that they were having a really hard time with sleep, uh, they aren't getting enough, and then maybe they then, to make up for it, sleep way too much, and Mm -hmm. then they feel, you know, foggy in the head. It might have been me in the past. Not anymore, (laughs) unfortunately, but... uh, Certainly used to be. Uh, But so what would be a good way for people to take baby steps to get back to a better night's sleep? Well, our bodies love rhythms and our bodies love to know what to expect. So establishing a bedtime routine, and I know this is really boring adult grown-up stuff that no one really likes to hear, but really our body knows what to expect. And so it naturally starts following suit. So if we can start going to bed at 10 or 11 or whatever seems reasonable in your life, just doing that consistently and then waking up at a consistent time, eventually it will turn into a pattern for your body and you'll just start naturally following suit. And so having a morning routine and a nighttime routine that teaches your body you know, what to expect is a really good place to start. And if you think about it, we do this for babies when they're teeny tiny. And even our kiddos, as soon as the books come out or the lights go down or the bath waters run, it signals to their body what's coming next. So we need to do the same thing as adults to really train our bodies into getting a good night's rest. Good advice. I've certainly found it to be good on the morning side. I have a really good morning routine set up and it does seem to be working. Would you mind sharing your morning routine with us? That is a dicey question right now because that involves one of my children coming in at five in the morning and waking me up from my sleep. So if that doesn't happen, my favorite way to start the morning, if I get a chance to get up before them, I start every morning with warm lemon water. I just, and I know that it sounds a little bit high maintenance, but it's become a habit for me over, over the years. And so now I just really look forward to it. It always makes me, it wakes me up. It kicks off my digestion and it's really good for your metabolism. And then I like to jump on, I have a little tram 
trampoline, a super cheap trampoline that I jump on for five minutes and it gets my heart rate going and wakes my brain up and it's actually really detoxifying. So if I can get those two things in before my kids are up, I consider that an absolute victory. (laughs) That is awesome. I'm very blessed in the morning part of baby sleep time. We just switched over to the one nap instead of two. And so that has been a little challenging the past couple weeks. He's woken up at either, you know, two, three or four a.m. and been sort of on fire, you know, Mm -hmm. not sleepy. Right. Hello. I'm ready for you. (laughs) Uh, And uh, that's rough. Sleepy baby who's kind of awake is very different than baby that will totally put your phone in the toilet if you are not (laughs) paying attention. Right. (laughs) So, um, but but then he'll go back to sleep and his regular wake-up time is 7.30 a.m. Okay. So... You know, he was up pretty early as like a tiny baby, but now 7.30. So I feel very lucky because I can get up at 5 or 5.30 and have a good amount of time before even my husband starts moving around. Mm -hmm. And then the baby. Heck, even the dogs and cat, they're not moving around yet. Right. But I I know that not every mom gets 7.30 a.m. baby. Yeah, it's well, and it's one of those things that you get it for a while, you might get it for a while, and then you know, then they go, Just kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 yeah. no Shelly, don't say I'm that. Sorry. My heart <laughs> is breaking. <laughs> I know you have two, and you're further along than me, but don't tell me. Uh, okay, I'll, I, I guess I, uh, I guess I needed to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> Well, so one of the things you and I have talked a lot about in previous conversations is about control. Mm -hmm. And I think that we might in past lives have both fit the definition of control freak, maybe a little bit now too. How do you find that that has manifested itself in your life? Yes, I have spent a lot of time thinking about control. And yes, I was definitely a control freak. I am much, much better than I am, than I was. And I have thought about this topic a lot because it comes up with my clients and my friends. And, you know, it's common with a lot of moms. And what I've discovered for myself is what what's at the root of control for me is fear. What's underneath of that control is fear. And so when I was struggling with infertility, I was pursuing a lot of health avenues to kind of correct what was going on in my body and balance my hormones and things like that. And so I was terrified that I would never get to have another baby. And I was terrified that my health would never really correct itself. And so this is just one example of many where I, you know, followed every food rule to a T. I counted every gram of carbs and protein. And so at that time, I thought I was helping myself and I thought I was really doing myself a favor. But in reality and in hindsight, which is of course always 2020, I was scared out of my mind. And so it's true that there are definitely, you know, type A's in the world and type B's. And sometimes we're just more naturally predisposed to like control. But when it becomes such a problem that it's being driven by something we're afraid of, that's when it needs to be really kind of looked at a little bit deeper and just seeing what's underneath of that control and what might what might be driving us and what we might be a little bit scared of. And so as soon as we can kind of acknowledge the fear that's there and say it out loud and then say what's true, then it'll be really, it's really interesting to watch that need for control kind of just diminish. It kind of just goes away. That's a really cool process. And I've been through it myself and I've seen people, I've seen women go through that and they say, oh, I'm, I'm scared of this and I'm admitting it. And so now that it's out there, I don't need to control it as much. It's just a really cool transformation. 
I think it's interesting. I didn't realize, <laughs> so people who know me and listen to this will laugh hysterically, <laughs> but I didn't realize how much of a control freak I was until I didn't get to have the labor experience that I wanted to have. Oh, yes. You know, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to be in the birthing center. And so, you know, with a midwife, no drugs, didn't work out that way. Little tiny human did not want to arrive. Mm-hmm. And he was wrapped up in the umbilical cord and punching his little fist out like Superman. None of it went the way I wanted to <laughs> at all. And I just felt like such a failure. Like, ah. I had this plan and it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. But it it ended up the combination of that not going the way that I had spent a lot of time doing all these exercises and reading all these books and watching all these documentaries and right. finding the perfect midwife. And, and I, of course, my wonderful midwife still delivered my baby. Right. It just happened that, you know, we had to be in labor and delivery with interventions. But the combination of that and then I also had to go back to work after six weeks and my son did not and would not latch. But so my husband and I, we had a lactation consultant and they said, you know, with lots of effort, it's going to be okay. And I was like, we have six weeks. (laughs) We don't have enough time. And so I said, you know what, we're just going to exclusively pump. And that's just what we were going to have to do. Right. And so that's what I did. And so a combination of those two things, not having labor experience, plus having to exclusively pump Mm -hmm. really helped me a lot Mm. in the end because I would, I think, still have a lot of those control freak sort of problems. And now, you know, like today, I went to put my boot on before I went outside. And at first, I tried to put my foot in it and I couldn't because there were a bunch of bath toys in there. (laughs) And I pulled those out and I put my foot back in. And then I said, what are all these strange things? And it's a bunch of cat food in my shoe. (laughs) And so I have embraced that when you have kids it's it's you never know what's going to happen that's right you just gotta ride that roller coaster absolutely motherhood is jarring for the control freaks <laughs> and yeah it can definitely start in the delivery experience I had a similar experience I wanted a natural experience and no dry you know I had a very specific plan and I ended up with a c-section and a Two, I mean, I have two babies and I, they are both breached and we could not do anything. I mean, I tried every trick in the world and they just, they were like, nope, I don't think I'm turning. So, you know, but they can, you know, as long as they're out healthy and happy and everyone's good, then that is blessing enough. Exactly. And that's, I think, a good reminder mm-hmm. for control freaks of the world. Right. Like, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. Yeah. It's all about perspective. <laughs> now, how would someone recognize in herself that she might be a control freak? That is such a good question. I think it takes a little bit of discipline and rec- recognizing how you react in certain situations. So most, most people, most human beings are just on autopilot with how they react. And sometimes we think we have no control over how we react. We just react with our natural feelings, what comes easiest. And so if someone really wanted to do some self-examination, the next time something doesn't go your way, whether it's big or small, just notice how you react. And you might not have like an all-out temper tantrum, but just notice in your body, does your blood pressure feel like it's raising? Are you tense? Are your fists going into a ball? Is Are you feeling tight all over? It's just, it's noticing in your body and in your mind how you react to things that don't go your way. And so the more flexible and adaptable you are, you're not going to react that way. Your body's just going to kind of remain in this nice, relaxed state of homeostasis where you say, you know what, no biggie. But when you're reacting in ways that 
aren't so favorable for your body, that's when you probably just need to take a little peek inside and see what's going on and what might be underneath that control that you want to have. Now, is there a way that someone could help pinpoint the fear that might be behind that control? Sure, there are lots of different ways. And I, you know, it would be nice if there was a really simple black and white solution, but it can come out, you can try to really pull that out and help it come to the surface in a lot of different ways. Some people can rate and that's what really helps them to tap into what's underneath of that control. And it takes some time. It takes you sitting down in a quiet place and being willing to be honest with yourself. And so writing about why you want control and then why do you want, you know, just asking yourself why over and over again until you kind of get to the bottom of what um, is at the root of that fear. Some of, sometimes it could just be chatting with a friend. And I feel like for me, I I like the process externally. So talking it out with a friend helps me to kind of think through what might be something I'm afraid of and really sitting by yourself quietly and just, you know, if it's talking to God or just meditating can really help reveal what might be driving that fear. So there are a lot of different ways, but I think it's just the number one thing is a willingness to acknowledge that maybe there is something there than just control or, you know, saying, oh, I'm type A and that's, that's all there is to it. And sometimes it's just a little bit more complicated than that, but it's an opportunity for something to be healed. And, you know, there's an opportunity for transformation. And that's, that's what I love doing as a coach is helping people kind of reveal those blind spots and being, you know, having those aha moments where you didn't realize that you were running your life rooted in that fear. And all of a sudden it's a weed that we pulled up and then you can move on and, you know, live life in a more empowered way. Awesome. Love it. (laughs) I think that's the quote of the episode right there. Now, is there anything else health coach wise that you would love to talk about? You know, I just, I want women who are listening or any, you know, women or men who are listening to this to just know that wherever you are with your health or your life, if it feels like it's impossible to change, I just, I love giving people the hope that it is possible to make a change. And it's like what I was talking about before with the baby steps. It's just, you have to make a decision that you want your life to be better. And then you just take one small step and another small step and another one. And, you know, it's just doing that over and over again to help build up to the goals that you want to reach. But I, I always just want people to have that hope that change is possible and it might feel like you're sinking in quicksand right now, but, you know, ask for support, enlist the help of your friends that pull you out of there and then just make the decision to start making positive changes in your life. Excellent advice, lady. Now, what would you say is the biggest assumption that people make about you? Oh, I think people always assume that health coaches don't make their own food mistakes or exercise. You know, there's a bit of an assumption about being perfect in my own health. And that's so far from the truth. And thank God, because if I didn't have my own experiences where I'd made plenty of mistakes, I wouldn't be able to put myself in other people's shoes. And so I've I used to be like we talked about very controlling about the food I ate and very I was very much a perfectionist in some ways. And I have come full circle where I am so relaxed about food. I know what makes me feel good. I know when I can have treats and I, you know, I don't shy away from those. I just know I've learned to listen to my body so well that I know what makes it feel good and what makes it feel not so good. And so I just, there's room for flexibility in health and I'm living that every day. You don't need to be perfect. I love red wine. I drink coffee. I have cake. I mean, there's, there's absolutely room for all sorts of yumminess and goodness and being healthy. 
I would love to take a moment and just sort of hammer away at that one point because I always find it fascinating that people don't know their bodies well. Mm -hmm. Particularly, one thing I find very common is people who get dehydrated at events or something Mm -hmm. like that and they don't realize that their body needed water. And I tell you, if my body needs water, it is just screaming and slapping me in the face and I have to go and get some water. Right. Buy an $8 bottle of New York City water (laughs) or whatever it is. Uh, So how could someone who is so out of touch with their body that they have no idea what it's telling them, what's a good way to start getting in touch with it? Well, there's so many different ways, but if you're talking about food and how maybe, I think food is a good place to start because we all have to eat. So it's an easy place to start. And so after you eat something, a really little quick thing you can do is just jot down how you feel. Notice how you feel. I think when people are trying to change their health, they rely too much on experts and books and, you know, and doctors and all those people are to be respected. And there is a reason they're out there helping people in this world. But really the experts inside, we all know what makes us feel better than anyone else. And so just noticing how you feel after you eat a certain meal, after you drink a cup or two of coffee, and just jotting it down. It doesn't need to be a lifetime exercise of writing down how you feel after you eat, but just do this for a few days and start getting in touch with your body. And then after you notice it, do something about it. Just, you know, don't ignore it. If you notice that you feel like garbage after you eat dairy, you know, pay your body the respect it deserves and maybe try not having that for a few days. So just it's just this ongoing conversation you have with yourself about what it likes and what you don't like. And it's really cool. And it just really helps you to figure out what makes you thrive. That's awesome. Thank you, ma'am. Now, what would be one takeaway you'd want people to get from this podcast? That is a great question. I think I touched on it a little bit earlier. And that's just that I, I just always want people to know that change is possible. But I'll tell you the one thing that comes to mind that I really want to drive home is that health really starts in your head and your heart. I think I think the assumption is that it always has to start with food or exercise. And really the foundation of how you feel from the inside out is how you think and how you talk to yourself and, you know, the relationship with you, you have with your body. And so once you start dealing with any of those little mind gremlins or any negative conversations you're having with yourself about your body, if you can start healing those, the decisions to eat healthy and exercise become so much easier because you're building upon a really solid foundation of healthy, positive thoughts. And that's what I love about coaching, how it starts in your mind. And that's what I've always um, addressed first with anyone I work with is just kind of learning how to love yourself and then building from there. I love that. Now, do you have a book you would love to recommend to the Notable Woman audience? The book that I would recommend to moms juggling babies and businesses is actually a business book. It's called The One Thing, and it's by Gary Keller. And the reason I love it so much is because it really has so many parallels between your health and your business. And the the point of the book, really the thesis of the book, is that we need to just be focusing on one things. And, and I think moms, especially mompreneurs, are constantly juggling. And it's just the nature of our lives right now. It's the season of life we're in. And I don't think we can altogether eliminate it. But I think it just really reinforces the importance of focus. And so if you're going to improve an area of your health or your business or your life, it just bears repeating that, you know, focusing on that one thing until it's complete and successful is really the key to success. So I think that book has a lot of valuable lessons for moms who are raising 
and babies and businesses all at once. I love that book. I think that's a great recommendation. One of the parts of the book I like is that he focuses on some other people besides business people. And he, he sort of talks about what uh, Stephen King did, mm-hmm. his approach to writing. He's responding to the comment that how can you focus on one thing when you're not that important yet right so you can't really control your schedule mm-hmm. and so he comes back and talks about people like Stephen King and how Stephen King found time to write mm-hmm. when he wasn't getting paid to write and how important that is and so I think it's a good book for that reason because it, it takes a concept and it tells you how you can apply it in your life right now Right, right. And I think that's, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, I think moms are always, always crunched for time. And it's just, it's a conversation. It's just thinking about time differently and using it so that it's on your side, so that it's for you and not against you. And I think it's always a battle with moms in time. And I think it's an opportunity to change that from a battle to like a healthy relationship with time. When people ask me what superpower I would want, apparently people ask me this a lot, by the way, uh, (laughs) I always say the ability to stop time. Mm-hmm. You know, so stop time for everybody else. I get a nap. I eat some pizza. I get a coffee. <laughs> do some work. You know, everybody else comes back and they say, you're so refreshed. You got so much done. Right. <laughs> I would that like would that. be my superpower. So yeah. perhaps I will reread the one thing and gain that superpower. <laughs> now, lovely Shelly, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? I have a blog. They can find me at ShellyRobinson.com. It's S-H-E-L-L-Y-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. And what I'm actually more excited about, though, is an amazing Facebook group that I just opened the doors to. It's called Healthy Mama Hustle. So it's for mamas who are raising babies and the businesses that we talked about. And I would love to have people pop in there and join us and be a part of this community that's growing a little bit every day. And we're having a blast. And it's just such a great support system for moms who are looking for ways to reclaim their health and not have to do it alone. Excellent, lady. I'll also put a link for that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I love your light and your smile and your energy. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Woot woot. Shelly. I hope you love that conversation. I really, really do love Shelly. And if you are interested in this sort of conversation and this sort of improvement of yourself, head on over to healthymamahustle.com and you can join her Facebook group. And it is such a fun place. I'm having such a great time there. So thank you so much for listening and I'll check you again next week.